Welcome to the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast, where we continue the conversation that started on Sunday to help you become more like Christ throughout the week. I'm your host, Clay Wright. Let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Cutting Room Floor Podcast. I'm back as your host. My name is Clay Wright, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Jim. Pastor Jim, how's it going? Hey, I'm, well, I just finished preaching. So I'm, I'm tired. I know. You can hear it in my voice. We're, we're a, a little different schedule. It, to us, it kind of feels like a special edition yeah. uh, episode because we're recording right after church on Sunday, but... Um, there's so much to get into with this sermon and oh, with this boy. text. Yeah. It's had less time to percolate, so it still feels really fresh to me. And <laughs> uh, after the first service, I was drumming and you were preaching and you said, thanks for your drumming. And I said, man, thanks for your preaching. Because <laughs> I, uh, it, it, with the people that I spoke to even this morning and people who I talked to at Alpha this last Thursday, uh, I knew that this message was uh, going to uh. be well received and, and needed. Mm. Um, and it was so cool to see how people were responding to it. And, and to, I mean, I, I just, there was a real sense to me in the room that God was using it and God was speaking Amen. to people. Good. Um, so I, and so we're talking about the sermon. What was the sermon about though? We were talking about, uh, the, the beginnings of the temptations of Christ mm -hmm. in uh, Luke chapter four. So we're moving on, closing the book on Luke chapter three. Uh, <laughs> Finally. <laughs> with, <laughs> well, actually there was two that was so long. Three wasn't that long, was it? Yeah, no. Well, two, yeah. yeah Cause two had, we, 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 uh, really dug into the <laughs> images right. of Jesus growing up. Right. And so that was, that took a little bit longer, but. Uh, we're, we're finishing up with the baptism of Jesus. I actually really loved, you really pulled this out in the first service that, uh, we, we don't want to miss that in the temptations, God is still preparing Jesus mm. for ministry. This mm -hmm. is a part of yeah. that preparatory period for Jesus. Uh, even, so even though the prep time sermon series ends with Luke chapter three, there's still that idea that's, that's happening. Definitely. And, uh, the, the, one of the, one of the things that we see Jesus doing in preparation for ministry before his public ministry begins is, uh, we, we see him being led into the wilderness or, uh, being led in the wilderness <laughs> to correct that from the NIV to the ESV, uh, by the spirit where he's tempted by the devil. Yeah. And uh, you frame this in terms of this cosmic <laughs> battle that's happening, mm -hmm. and you used it as an opportunity to talk about uh, the reality of temptation and, and places or contexts where temptation can find us mm -hmm. and some of the schemes that the enemy uses, which was so helpful, so wonderful. Um, I... I I, I especially loved, and then I'll start asking you questions, I promise, but <laughs> I, I especially loved uh, the way at the end of the sermon, how you brought it back to um, uh, reflecting on Easter and how that because the resurrection power of Jesus is within us, we can fight temptation. Amen. Because on our own, we are, you know, worthless and it's... We're just trying. Right. And mm -hmm. it would be so easy to preach like a moralistic sermon mm -hmm. where we're trying to teach people to pull up their bootstraps to try harder. Right. You know, here's five tips on resisting temptation. Here's, here's the best strategies, all that sort of language. Yeah. And yet, uh, without the resurrection power of Jesus, without the spirit, without the word of God, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's all futile. So yeah. I, oh man, I'm all hyped up about it. I'm excited <laughs> for life group on Tuesday, but, um, what were some, 
some some things that you were were preaching about in the sermon that that really God was using in your life. So like every time we preach, uh, a lot of time, at least for me, there, there's something that really resonates with me. Yeah. Uh, if it's not the whole sermon, there's usually aspects of it that shape how I end up preaching the sermon. Yeah. Um, I am. It seems like I'm always learning new things about being led by the spirit. Mm. And um, so I've written, you know, a whole book on it, uh, Learn to Breathe, but I guess there's still so much more to learn. So yeah. I, I, I haven't spent a whole lot of time thinking about how the Holy Spirit led Jesus throughout the wilderness. I had always read that, like the NIV says, um, into, you know, the Greek preposition ace. Um, right. But that's not what the preposition is. The preposition is a preposition in E-N, yeah, N, mm-hmm. which could be, especially with the data, it can be a uh, about a space, you know, a, a spatial kind of thing that you're in something, or it can be a, a means, by. Mm-hmm. And so... <clears throat> And so thinking about the leadership of the Holy Spirit in temptation, Mm. the leadership of the Holy Spirit while Jesus is in the desert, I I had never, ever thought about that because Mm. I had always translated it as, uh, well, not translated, I had always read it as he he led him into the wilderness. Right. And I was bothered by that, but I never saw, I never worked the puzzle out like I did mm. with the message. So, so the things that God was doing in me is, is uh, this week was really about the leadership of the Holy Spirit in a different way. Yeah. And so, I, I was, that's I'm, it's cool to see, cool to learn. Uh, there's so many things about the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and I and I'm it's it's, it's impacting a series I'm writing right now that we're going to do uh, after the fighting for your life. Um, I haven't quite named it yet, but it's going to be a series about these, this phrase, being led by the Spirit, being mm. full of the Spirit. Because even though I talked a little bit about led by the Spirit, I left a lot out. Yeah. That's, that's stuff that's, that's it's left on the cutting room floor, but I'm going to pick it back up um, <laughs> in, right. um, in that new series. Because if you look at the text, Luke 4.1 says, you know, Jesus... Uh, full of the Holy Spirit, yeah. was led by the Spirit. Those two power-packed phrases, I completely skipped over, full of the Spirit. Um, and so I left it on the cutting room yep. floor. And I'm going to pick that, those two phrases up with the phrase in Luke 4.14, and Jesus in the, in the power of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And then when he quotes Isaiah 61, the Spirit has anointed me. So those phrases, led by the Spirit, full of the Spirit, in the power of the Spirit, and anointed by the Spirit. <laughs> I can't wait oh, to, man. to d- dig into those four phrases. Yeah. So I'll put together Luke 4.1, Luke 4.14, and Luke 4.16, and Luke 4.18 in a, in a series. I'm I'm really excited for that because when I when I read Learn to Breathe mm-hmm. uh my senior year of college the thing that stuck out the most to me was your teaching on anointing. Really? Yes, because and <laughs> I still have my notes from that chapter. Interesting. Because I have always heard that used in a certain context that yeah. was confusing to me. <laughs> but the clarity that you brought in that in that text was so helpful mm, good uh, thinking about That's how encouraging. We, you know, we can be anointed 
but it's it, you know just the way that you bring it out, which you'll I'm sure you'll you'll yep. talk about in the next <laughs> series. But the one thing I love about uh, that looking at the translation of that phrase led by the Holy Spirit into or in in mm-hmm. the midst of mm-hmm. the wilderness is that. It, you, a, lot, a lot of times in Bible study, it can be intimidating if you don't know the languages, if mm-hmm. you don't know Greek. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, and so, so people may be listening like, oh, man, I don't know the Greek yeah. prepositions ace and n, and I yeah. can't compare them. I don't know what case, you know, the date of cases. <laughs> but you demonstrated in your sermon how you don't have to know the Greek. You can compare the NIV with the ESV. Yeah. And they're taking a different. And then you can see the differences and you can ask, yeah. oh, I wonder why that is. Right. And that can lead you into. Uh, you know, digging up resources where you don't have to know Greek in order to come to these conclusions. So. Yeah, I, I love to say to say that kind of thing to people. Mm-hmm. You can the, multiple translations is one of the most fantastic Bible study yeah. methods there is anywhere. Mm-hmm. Because of what you're saying, just yeah. a simple compare. We wonder why they translated it this way. Yep. And especially then, if you know in your mind, and anybody can know this, that the ESV and the NASB are more literal translations. Mm-hmm. They're not. They're not exactly literal, but they're much more literal. And the NIV and the NLT are more dynamic. So with that right. in mind, you can compare. Okay, this is probably more accurate to the literal word for word ESV and NASB. Uh, whereas the NIV and the NLT, it's not that they're not accurate. It's that they balance accuracy with dynamism and readability. Right. And so th- knowing that, I'm, I'm going to lean more towards the ESV and the NASB if I'm trying to figure out what's the right way to translate. And, and, and when I say I, I mean the average person. Not knowing any Greek at all, just knowing that, is, it's helpful to have the translations and it's helpful to know which ones are the more literistic. Right, yeah. Um, I, I love pointing that stuff out because I, I, w- I want people always to remember that the same spirit that's in you and that's mm-hmm. in me, that's leading us through our study of the text, who's using our study of the languages. Yeah. But that same spirit is in every believer and, right. and is guiding them into all truth, you know, and reminding them of the things. And that he's Jesus the same spirit that inspired that word to be written. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, any, any way that we can invite people into that themselves. I, I enjoyed at the end of the sermon by saying, after I made the point that the word of God and the spirit of God, then saying how the, so the spirit of God prompted or inspired Paul, Paul. to write the mm-hmm. word of God and to write this, this letter to the Corinthians. That was a fun connection to make quick you know instantly to see how they work together absolutely um and paul's insight to recognize Mm -hmm. that the the, the spirit of god um uses the word of god yeah that's the the sword of the spirit oh i'd love that (laughs) (laughs) so there's another piece i did want to pick up which is it's a piece that we've had like whisperings about on Mm. the podcast and in sermons okay uh, especially when we talked about the baptism of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And it's the idea that when Jesus goes back to the Jordan River, there's a sense in which, you know, he's retracing the footsteps of Israel mm-hmm. or that yeah. he's playing yeah. out sort of this larger story mm-hmm. of God's people or mm-hmm. of humanity. But um, we've not really nailed that down. Yeah. So can you bring us into when we talk about that idea of Jesus retracing the steps of Israel or mm-hmm. retracing the story of humanity? What is yeah. it that we're talking about in yeah. terms of category? And then how, how can we understand why, why is that meaningful for us? Yeah, uh, that's a, something that's a really neat undertone in this passage. And especially for those of us at Open Door that are reading through the Bible right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We've just been reading Deuteronomy 8. So if, if the listeners want to actually turn to Deuteronomy 8, this is yeah. an absolutely fascinating uh, connection to make. Um, so in Deuteronomy 8, Moses is talking about talking to the people of Israel before he dies. And, um, and he's talking about the coming into the promised land. And he keeps using this language. Be careful, be careful, don't forget the Lord. He says it over and over again. Remember, remember, same phrase. But, but then in, verse, in 8, chapter 8, verse 2, he says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years. So just compare that to our passage. Mm-hmm. The Spirit of God is leading, just like the first phrase of Deuteronomy 8, 2, the Lord your God led you in the wilderness... A little bit with wilderness in Luke four, <laughs> these forty years compared yeah, to the forty yeah. days. So, so what we call this in Bible study is typology. Mm-hmm. There's there's this typology that, that, that Jesus is a type of Moses. Uh, he's a type of Israel. He's he's like the the new version of that. And so he's an echo, you might say. He, and so where the where Moses is, you know, giving this instruction. Jesus is like a new, improved version of Moses. Mm-hmm. And where the children of God, the nation of Israel, are out in the wilderness, Jesus is a new, improved version of the son of, you know, the, the children of God, the son of God. And where Israel failed by, they were being tested in the wilderness these 40 years, they failed, Jesus faced the same temptations and mm-hmm. succeeded. Because yeah. the next line, he led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you there's that word <laughs> now in, in, in the hebrew it's not greek so it's not parazo but it's in the, the same thing is true in the hebrew language that's true in the english language i'm sorry the greek language is that the greek and hebrew word carry the freight of both these concepts yeah that, that it's a tempt temptation from the devil it's a test from god H- have and you it, have you checked in the septuagint if that's Parazzo? Yeah. No, I haven't, but I'm sure it is. Oh, I, I'd yeah. be willing to lay good money on it. Not, not that I'm a betting man. <laughs> um, um, and so, you know, you, you, you figure out how to translate it based upon the context because God does not tempt. And um, Satan is not trying to test us. He's tempted. So it's, it's a pretty simple thing. Mm-hmm. So we have, we have leadership. We have wilderness. We have the 40. We have the test <laughs> in order to know what was in your heart, yeah. whether you would keep his commands. This is, this is exactly what's happening in Luke chapter 4 with Jesus. He is the new Israel who's passing the test. Mm-hmm. And even though Deuteronomy doesn't refer to this, he's also the new Adam which is the first temptation we see in Scripture, Adam and Eve. Um, Adam is a son of God. Jesus is a son of God. Adam is enjoying intimate relationship with the Father. So is Jesus. Um, Adam is perfect. So is Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting connection. When Adam and Eve were tempted, there was no James chapter 3 evil desires in them. Right. So when we talk about, when James talks about you're tempted by the the desires and the evil desires, Adam and Eve didn't have that. Neither did Jesus. And I I wrestled for a long time about whether I should try to squeeze this into the (laughs) message. But no, it got left on the cutting room floor that... That just because Jesus did not have a sinful nature doesn't mean that the temptation wasn't real and powerful. Mm. Adam and Eve are the proof of that. Satan did not appeal to an evil, sinful nature. There was no depravity in Adam and Eve. 
And so, um, so, and, and yet they were so taken by the temptation that they gave in. Yeah. So that helps us see that, that the temptation that Jesus experienced was every bit as powerful. And as I said, on one of the sermons, I can't remember whether it was both. I think it's only in the second sermon I talked about even more so because he did have the power to turn stones into bread. Mm-hmm. I don't. Right. You don't. You, right. Do you have that power, Clay? Just... Not, not last time I checked. Okay, I was just wondering. But... <laughs> you, have, you have a lot of power, right? Uh, he, he does have the power to jump off the, you know, a mountain or off the, the temple, you know, high. Yeah, and command the angels. And the, yeah. um, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, you know, he is, does have the power and authority to command that everybody obey him and, and worship him. So those are real temptations. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but so, so we're talking about typology. Jesus is the new Adam, and where Adam failed, Jesus succeeded. Right. He's the new Moses, where Moses failed, Jesus succeeded. Where he's the new Israel, where Israel failed, he succeeded. And so, knowing that, that Deuteronomy eight verse two is the setting, you might say that Jesus has in the back of his mind. Mm-hmm. Now look at verse, um, uh, where is it? Verse 13. Um, where, oh, rats, where is the verse that Jesus quotes? Oh, the, the very next verse. So he humbled you on Deuteronomy 8, 3, causing you no hunger, then feeding with manna, Manna, which neither you or your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, wow, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Now, Luke does not record that, that on, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord, Matthew does. Mm-hmm. Luke just says that that um, man does not live on bread alone. So. I think it's completely appropriate for us to think that Jesus is thinking Deuteronomy 8, 2 Man. as he's being tempted. And so he quotes Deuteronomy 8, 3, mm-hmm. which the reason why I wanted to bring this out in the sermon, which I didn't, is it's proof that Jesus is like meditating on the word of God. He's he's yeah. living in the word. So it's it's not that Jesus has a couple Bible verses memorized that he can pull out when he needs them. He's soaking in the word. The word mm. is forming him. Spiritual formation is happening. So in the hour of temptation, since Jesus is soaking in the word, being formed by the word, he has the appropriate response. It's, wow. oh man. That's awesome. Yeah, so, I, oh, man. So cool. And it's, not only is it cool, and not only is Jesus modeling how it is that we can respond to temptation, but also, you know, he's... Like the fact that he succeeded where we failed without relying on his divine power. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it you know sometimes when I when I am trying to summarize the gospel, I'll say something along the lines of uh, Jesus lived the life that we should have lived. Mm-hmm. And died the death that we deserved. <laughs> yeah. That he lived the kind of life that we should have lived, but were powerless to live. And then he died the death that we deserve. Tim Keller, when he preaches, one of his ways of organizing his sermon is a similar to this restatement of the gospel, which is that 
you should do something for, for instance, resist temptation. You know, we should resist temptation. We can't resist temptation, but Jesus did resist <laughs> temptation so that we may resist temptation. I love that. That's, a, that's beautiful. That's, that sounds like Tim Keller. Yeah, <laughs> He's so linear and so logical and so right. well, well thought out. <laughs> yeah. It's, it, but it's so, it's, that's good. it's so helpful for me because it, it reminds me that, in my struggle with sin, mm-hmm. the, you know, there's there's truth, and this is why personally, when you were saying um, you can fight against temptation and win, mm-hmm. and you're asking, do you believe that? Mm-hmm. There's always two voices inside hmm. of me. You know what I'm saying? There's <laughs> yep, one voice yep. that's saying Clay Wright can't, uh-huh. and there's another voice that's saying. Christ in me can, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Galatians two twenty. Yes. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I, uh, the life I now live, I live in the, in the body. I live by faith in the son of God. So Christ right. is in me, giving me the power to do that. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, and then I, I was waiting. Did you ever bring up, you did from Hebrews four that, uh, he, uh, is able to empathize with us in mm-hmm. our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that for me is, is the rub with a lot of these things that Jesus not only came to the earth, uh, but but that he so identified with us that he he knows what it's like mm. to experience these things in every way yeah and there's a there's a chapter in the book the divine romance which i've brought up before mm-hmm. that i think just does such a beautiful job capturing this idea mm. both of jesus thinking about israel in the wilderness and the, the temptations that they faced from you know that mm-hmm. talks about in Deuteronomy 8 mm-hmm. but also him fighting temptation as a man uh and him sort of redeeming humanity yeah. in the process right it's uh it's so so powerful to me um amen and of, of course there's lots of other ways that we see the hit the story of israel playing out in in jesus's life uh, mm-hmm. which oh I think we've talked about that along the way a little bit. Tabernacle, typology, those kind of things we've mm -hmm. talked a little bit about. But yeah, you can, golly, you could go on and on and on about all the different ways that Jesus echoes Israel, the nation of Israel, and succeeds where they failed in the new Israel. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I've said this, I, I may have said this before, but when I was in Israel, uh, this was one of my big takeaways <laughs> as we were going through the land and thinking about where, you know, in this location is, this is what happened with Israel and yeah. this is what happened with Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And it's just so when stark. You, when you went, did you guys go into the wilderness and do, and do anything in there? We did. Cool. Yeah. And it, yeah. I have, that, those are some of my coolest pictures. <laughs> the, the emphasis when we went was she was sort of setting up, you know, imagine you, you know, you left everything that you knew uh, and, you're wandering in the wilderness and you've been told that you're going to be brought into this promised land, this land flowing with milk and honey mm-hmm. and you know, this really idyllic sort of description. And then you cross over the Jordan river finally to and you Judean look out wilderness. to the Judean wilderness <laughs> and that picture that you showed. Right. And, uh, <laughs> what? It, yeah. I don't see any milk and honey. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, yeah. And like trying right. to think about traveling through that as a group of like, hundreds of thousands oh, yeah. of people yes. and some people estimate a million yeah the, the, mm-hmm. you know i don't know but that's a lot of people and uh how difficult that would be it's like can this really be what god 
wanted for us you know yeah. like the, all those ideas and, yep. and then you can see why they started complaining and blaming moses and mm-hmm. you know you're just kind of brought us out here to kill us <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 well i wish that i could have taken you to israel because um there's so many things that i love that I, I, everybody that i love i want to take to israel because <laughs> I, you know, I wish i was independently wealthy i would take everybody in our church i take everybody in my family all my friends because there is, as you know, there's nothing like being there. Yeah. And I, I want to experience those things with the people that I love. Right. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I totally agree. And of course the Greece trip is coming up, which we, we mentioned again mm-hmm. this morning, but, uh, it's not too late for people to sign up for that. April, they... uh, April 21st is the deadline. That's so the that's deadline? this week. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that's when it's too late. <laughs> well, there, there's, there's one other piece that we've mentioned that I, I think it makes sense to go a little deeper into, which is, uh, the idea of the the peccability or impeccability of Jesus, <laughs> which is like a, a, a can be a heated debate. Yeah, so which, people. so what, I mean, what I mean, no, which side are you? Do you believe that he was possible? You know the the Latin phrase, um, "pecari." Uh, yeah, I forgot my Latin. Do you know the phrase? I don't know yeah, the Latin. Pecari non possibil or something like that. Anyway, is it was it possible for Jesus to sin or was it impossible for him to sin? Right. So where are you? I so <laughs> I would say that it was possible okay. for Jesus to sin. That that's the that's the side that I tend to lean on uh-huh. because it to me it it fits with what we were just talking about about Jesus identifying with humanity about him experiencing temptation if it it wasn't possible then then how can we say he was tempted in every way Mm -hmm. i was just talking to a friend of ours on the way out and he takes the opposite side i was like oh really (laughs) (laughs) well of course in god's sovereignty like would jesus have sinned obviously you know i would say obviously that's not the question it's not exactly yeah it's 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 good was it you know you, you, you kind of have to use all these big words to set the stage, but like, was it ontologically possible? You know, in could it? You know, did Jesus actually? Was he actually tempted, or mm-hmm. was he not actually tempted? Yeah. You know, did he have the possibility to choose to give into temptation? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the reason it, it seemed like you implied heavily in your sermon, or 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 if not stated that he could have just the way that you were talking about the reality of Jesus's mm-hmm. temptation. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's one of the points against now I'm trying to remember which one is peccability is that he could have sinned. Right. 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 Whereas impeccability, that view is that he could not have sinned. That's correct. S- some people would say that that you, you lose some of the teeth in the story or you lose the stakes. What, what, what kind of suffering is the writer, the Hebrews talking about mm-hmm. uh, the pathos if Jesus, if it wasn't possible for him to sin. Right. I don't know. I just, I, to me, it, 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 like you said, it takes the teeth out. If he could not sin, then it, the temptation doesn't feel, you know, significant. And it also right. doesn't feel appropriate to say he was tempted in every way like like us. Mm-hmm. No, he's not tempted like us if he couldn't sin. Right. So, but I know there's arguments on the other side. I just thought, I, you and I never talked about that. I wondered yeah. if you were... Where you were on that? I remember when uh, <laughs> when Charlie first found out that we were in the Gospel of Luke and that we were going to be heading into the temptations. This is one of the first questions he asked me. And, oh, really? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I read a great article about this in uh, my historic Christian belief class in college, mm-hmm. and I. Um, but I there's so much about the the debate that I don't remember. 
Um, <laughs> but of course, one of the one of the arguments on the other side is that just like you read today from I, I can't remember what verse it is, but that God can't be tempted. James one thirteen. Right. So it's like yeah. if we're if we're going to say that Jesus was God. Yep. Yep. Wouldn't that verse apply? Yep, I get it. You know, and and yet clearly he was tempted. Um, but but that is a reference to God, um, the unincarnate God, mm-hmm. and so Jesus is <clears throat> unique in that he is the incarnate God. So James is not talking about the incarnate God in James one thirteen. He's talking about the in unincarnate God, you know, the yeah. pre-incarnate God. Yeah. And I think that's a very distinct, important distinction in that argument. Mm-hmm. The, the other thing that I, I don't know if I am fresh enough to really talk about, but the other, the other th- questions that I have, so maybe you can bring clarity to this for me even, when we think about Jesus being tempted and we think about his dual nature, you know, we, we confess that Jesus is one person mm-hmm. with two natures, mm-hmm. that he's... Jesus, you know, he's Jesus the Christ, but that he has a human nature and uh, and a divine nature. Right. But then, you know, theologians have debated over the years. <laughs> okay, so does that mean he has two minds? You know, does he have a divine mind and a human mind? Mm-hmm. So one one way this gets brought up is, you know, how is it possible that Jesus doesn't know? the day or the hour, you know, the end of the world, right? He's God, you know, and God is omniscient. So is there a divine mind that Jesus is neglecting while he's on the earth Mm -hmm. before his resurrection? Mm -hmm. And so he's just sort of living in his human mind. And this is one of the reasons why I can get really uncomfortable when we talk about Jesus growing up and Jesus having an underdeveloped theology Mm -hmm. as a 12 year old or as a five year old is because people are like, how is this possible? You know, he's, he has the mind of God, right? He's, he is God. So, you know, and, and similarly people will ask, does he have a divine will and a human will? Or is it just, it could, because if it's one will, if it's one mind, uh, that would go along with his one person rather than his two natures, mm-hmm. then it, it makes it really difficult to wade through and, and really nail down on a theological level what's going on with the temptation of Christ. You know, yeah. is, is Jesus in his divinity being tempted? Uh, you know, was his divinity tempted at all or just his humanity? Um, so yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you can bring any clarity sure. to any of that or how have you thought about that over the years? Yeah, um, uh, the, the key word for me is the word limitation. Uh, Jesus voluntarily limited his divinity. So yeah. he didn't lose or neglect or turn off. Um, he limited it. And, well, how did he do that? Well, because he's God. He's able to do that. So he, so he made himself weak. So Paul says in, in Philippians 2, which is so key for this discussion. Yeah. The insight that God gave Paul to write Philippians 2 is extraordinary. Um, and there's so much depth just in that passage where he talked about Jesus humbling himself, Jesus limiting himself. And, and to me, that's the key to this, this understanding. And so I do believe there's two natures. There's the human nature, there's the divine nature. And that the um, that there's they're, they're, at, they're at war because I have two natures. So that is not strange to me. I have mm-hmm. uh, the human nature that's fallen, and I have a redeemed nature. It's not my 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 um. I don't just have like a improved fallen nature. I have a new nature, mm-hmm. and that helps us get to the whole of what soteri- soteriology is all about. What happens in regeneration? Wow, yeah. I'm given a new nature, mm-hmm. and so there is a war within me 
between the fallen nature and the, the 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 spirit's work in me of a regenerated redeemed nature now Jesus's two natures were not fallen and and spiritual they were human and divine but I'm just saying that I can I can understand how Jesus could have two natures because I have two natures yeah and so it's not hard for me to put those together yeah that, that yeah that's really interesting and of course that's you know Paul gets into this and in, in in Romans, right? Would you would you understand some of the language about the two laws at work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I, I'm, but Paul, I mean, Galatians two twenty, Romans six. These are all passages that point to this two nature uh, reality. Yeah, yeah. And so then, as we're as we're living, and I, we've we got a couple minutes here before we're going to have to sign off. But um, as we're living in light of those two natures, right? Because mm-hmm. we're, we're awaiting the day when, uh, you know, if you think about traditionally, sometimes people will teach salvation in, in, in the sense that our, you know, we've been saved from the past, you know, sa- saved from sins in the past. We are being saved from sins progressively right now mm-hmm. in terms of sanct- sanctification, but we're awaiting the day in glorification when we will no longer have that conflict within us. Mm-hmm. Amen. And yet now we groan, right? We wait in anticipation of right. that, re- that full redemption. Mm-hmm. And that's why <laughs> we struggle and fight. And so there, there were two pieces on a personal level as we end that, that I'd love to hear you talk about a little bit more deeply and especially to talk about like, um, what do you hope people are taking away from this sermon? Mm. And, mm. and as the, as we begin to think about temptation, and, and the two pieces that I wanted to pick up are number one that uh, temptation is a fight against it's it's a war against the abundance that Jesus wants for us, mm. and the second is that it harms our intimacy with God, mm. not because it angers God, but because we it's us it's our rejection of Him. Yeah, it creates a distance within us. Yeah, yeah. To me, those were two more highlight. I mean, just do a whole podcast on either of those points, but you know, in in light of those two things or, or just more generally, what are some things that you hope people take away and take with them into learning about temptation? I'm really glad you asked that question because that um, gives me a chance to talk about um, something that I'm not sure that we have talked about in previous podcasts, but it's my praying for our church. Mm. And, and I, I'm guessing every preacher who is preparing to preach is praying for the people that <laughs> that he or she is going to preach to. Yeah, and uh, I have goals in mind. I have desires. I, I as I begin to understand the passage, uh, I'm not only asking God, you know, what does this say? What does this mean? I'm asking Him, what do you want to say? Uh, what do you want to do in people? But then I, then I know people and I know situations and I'm like, Oh God, could you use this message to help people who are struggling with this? Yeah. And so uh, once I say what I'm about to say, um, you'll be able to hear these themes in this, in the sermon. And, (laughs) you know, I, I prayed this during the week. I prayed it just before I I preached. I have, you, you know, this, I have a prayer team that comes into my office at eight 30 in the morning and they pray, with me or whoever's preaching. And so I start the prayer meeting off by asking them, giving them a real brief summary of the sermon. And then I almost always have a point I want them to pray for or two, you know, this particular thing I want really to help. So this morning I brought to them, um, 
would you please pray for those people who feel like they are powerless and unable to fight and win against temptation mm. because I'm convinced there's a ton of people. Well, so now that I say that, you can think back to the sermon. I, <laughs> I made that point. I yeah. belabored that point because I, 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 it's a pastoral concern for me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to just open up the scripture and tell us what it says. I want it to help people right. desperately. And I know you have that same pastoral heart. You, you, you want people to be helped. Mm-hmm. And I, I watch people, and and, and, so, and true in my own life too. I watch times in my life where I have I've been beat down, or I, where I'm so down on myself, I'm so hard on myself, and I, I'm the self-loathing, the self-hatred. I, I, I felt that. I know that vicious cycle, mm-hmm. and so. You know, God has brought me out of that. Uh, I wish it had been faster than it was, but you know, but I can preach now on the other side of that, and 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 remember those the feeling of desperation, that feeling of well, I failed you again, and I really do love you, God, and mm. I don't want to fail you. I'm not just trying to be a good Christian. I love you. I want to please you. I yeah. I, I want to honor you, and I just failed again, and you know, it's just that cycle. So people who are stuck in that, I want them to realize there's hope. The power of the gospel is available to you to help lift you out of that miry clay that David writes about in Psalm 40. Yeah. You know, what's, what's the miry clay he's talking about? Could it be this feeling of I'm trapped, I can't get out? You know, I, I think it's a very poetic way of saying, I feel like I'm going back to the same sins. I, go, I fall back into it. I can't get out. Lift me out, you know. This, isn't, this is not just Jim Menling. This is not just Clay Wright. Mm-hmm. This is David. This is Paul. This is yeah. Moses. This is every person who's walked with God, you know. Yeah. This this is Romans seven, um, depending on how you believe what Romans seven is all yeah, about. Yeah. So, so yeah, that that was a big one for me. Is God, would you use this to help people feel hope? Yes, I'm not a victim of my circumstances. Yes, Satan is powerful, but he's not all powerful. Mm-hmm. God is all powerful, and the, you know, in the second sermon, I didn't end it as well as I wanted it in the first. In the first service, I was able to hammer that point home from First John four: Greater is He that is in you mm. than He that is in the world. And remembering that great is He that is in the world. Satan is great. He's powerful. He is. Sneaky, he is an adversary that you don't want to ignore, but God's greater, yes. much greater. You know? Yeah, and that's a hopeful, optimistic, gospel-based word that can really help people. Yes. So that that was one of my desires. That's amazing. Yeah, I and I, I man, I join you in that prayer. I, I I sometimes think along these lines when I'm writing the life group questions. Mm-hmm. I'm yes. Like, oh man, how can I help? Good for you. you know, how can I? Yeah, man. I I think of myself doing like soft toss before baseball games. You would soft, you would you know, right. underhand the ball to get batting practice, and I'm just trying to soft toss to the life group leaders. That's right. Anyone but, can hit this one. Yeah, I'm like, oh man, how can we, you know, how can we uh, unpack that? Because I I do think, and this is my disposition, and we we've you've said to me before how some people struggle with the self loathing that you just talked mm-hmm. about or that feeling like they are less than yep. and some people struggle on the opposite side with yeah. taking their sin seriously but but especially I, th- I feel like when we talk about temptation that that first group tends to you know th- that first group tends to feel so 
defeated and yeah, and sat. Whereas the second group walks away being like, "Man, I I can't wait till we get out of this series and talk about some really relevant <laughs> stuff." Right? Yeah, I think of First Timothy, First Peter, or First Corinthians. Let him who thinks he stand take heed lest he fall. Yeah, that's a that's a, an arrogant and dangerous place to be in. Yeah, but I, my my hope in the in the life group questions, and I mentioned this in our the little message I sent out to life group leaders this week is we need when when we're unpacking temptation which is really can really be confession is what's happening Mm -hmm. but when we're unpacking temptation we need as leaders to first of all model it Mm -hmm. in appropriate ways Mm -hmm. but second of all when people bring sin into light to pause to affirm to encourage and to proclaim forgiveness amen like the the healing that happens when you're having a conversation not in abstract terms Mm -hmm. and when you can look someone in the eye and then they can show you the grace that God gives you. Amen. They can be an image of that. <laughs> um, we need each other. Yeah, it's oh, yeah. man. So yeah. that's that's my. I, I hope I hope in our life groups that pastoral mm. aim that you had gets unpacked in that mm. way. Yeah. Um, and I hope that for our whole church as we continue through this series. So I'm I'm really excited to get into it. And, and that leads us to the discussion about the abundant life. Um, that was an insight that the Holy Spirit gave me that I had never considered before. Mm. That that one of the things that the devil is trying to do is rob me of my birthright uh, of the abundant life that Jesus came to give. Yeah. And uh, you know, as a pastor, you know this. There are so many people living in defeat, mm-hmm. and and even if they're not beat down and living in an addictive cycle or a vicious cycle of sin, there's they also can be defeated in that they're not living in the fullness of the abundance, yep. and they're not pressing into that kind of discipleship where I'm I'm living close to Jesus, I'm intimate with Him, and I'm, I'm experiencing that abundant life. Yep. Reminds me of that quote from C.S. Lewis. I was thinking the same thing. <laughs> so oh, do, man. So do it. Can you, can you say the quote? Our Lord finds that our desires are not too strong, but too weak. Amen. We are like children messing around with mud pies <laughs> in the gutters when the promise of... Very good. You know, we're, we're ignorant to the promise of a holiday at the beach, yep. and we have no idea what we're missing out on. Yeah, you've got that memory. I'm impressed. I, I paraphrase the end yeah, of it, but it's powerful, isn't it? Oh man. It's yes, like when it's you so read that, you're like, yes, you're right. I'm mm-hmm. messing with mud pies yeah. and I could be living it up, you know? And, and the thing that I think Lewis brings out is that's so good is that we interpret our desire for sin as being way too strong <laughs> when in reality, that thing that that Satan is trying to get us to believe that sin will satiate, yeah. that is a desire that is f- uh, cut short mm-hmm. when it finds itself being expressed in sin. Yeah. It's a desire that ultimately ought to lead us to that intimacy that we need with God. Mm-hmm. And yet we, I was talking with a guy the other night in this parking lot at two in the morning, and he goes... Um, our addictions are relationships that we wish we had mm. and that when we're when we're dealing with sin when we're giving into temptation it's it, we're it's a it, there's an intimacy that's missing within us that mm. we're trying to reach for and mm. we're trying to replace it or wow. ignore our, you know help us helping ourselves to ignore it i was like oh my gosh yeah that's good dude that's good um but anyway yeah uh i i'm 
th- there's so much for us to learn about temptation and fighting sin. Well, there, there, fortunately, we have more sermons coming up. Absolutely. Uh, more things to discover. Um, but yeah, I mean, even in our passage, just the first couple of verses, <laughs> um, there's, there's, there's cool things in here that, that help mm-hmm. us. I, I hope that help us yeah. catch a vision for temptation not being something that I I am afraid of. Mm-hmm. I don't have to be afraid of temptation. Yeah. Now, I think that, you know, Paul says to young Timothy, flee youthful lusts. I think there are times in our lives and there are certain temptations that the, the, the wisest, most mature thing to do is turn around and run. Mm. You don't even quote scripture. Just get out of there, you know, <laughs> flee youthful lusts. Um, and you, and there needs to be a little bit of a healthy fear of, you know, if I'm not careful, I could fall into that. Yeah. But what I was talking about was this kind of object of abject fear of, oh my gosh, temptation's coming and I'm, I can't do anything about it. And I'm just, I'm a victim. I'm, just, you know, I, I'm, I'm powerless and we just kind of crumble. Right. right. Um, and I want to build hope in people. I want to give them a vision that will call them through that that temptation because of what Jesus did before us and what he did in the cross and resurrection. And what is, what is the birthright of those who are living in the power of the gospel and in the power of the spirit. And I I hope that we, if we didn't do that this Sunday, that by the end of the series, that, that, that will be uh, something that people were like, okay, now I'm not terrified of temptation. Actually, I, I see it. I'm not arrogant, like bring it on, but I see it as a test. I see it as an opportunity that I can actually grow in God through this. So I'm convinced, Clay, that 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 mind shift right there changes the way I I deal with the temptation. I see it. That's a test. That's an opportunity for me to trust God. Oh, I want to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to trust God. Yeah. And I'm I'm in a a positive. I'm on offense instead of I'm being on defense. Because the sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon. Mm. Um, and so, you know, we need to have a good defense, but we also have an offense right. and we need to use it. Yeah, so, I totally agree. And I'm, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see how, how Charlie builds on this next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I think it'll be his first time preaching from Illyria. Right? It, will, it will be. Yeah. I, when I asked him to do it, he was so excited. He was like, Ooh, yeah, really? <laughs> so you, I'm, I'm game. Cause I asked him, do you want to? He's like, yes. Yeah, man. <laughs> so next week we'll have, we'll have Charlie on and then you'll, you'll finish out the series the two weeks after that. Oh, uh, actually I'll, I would preach the next week. And then the, the seventh of May, Jason Russ is preaching. Oh, nice. The first Sunday of the month. Cool. Um, so yeah, I, when I started to put this series together, I'm like, stink! I'm only going to be able to teach twice in this series. <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's just you know, I, I'm excited for Charlie and Jason too because I want them to have a chance to unpack it. Yeah, it'll be it'll be great. So, alrighty. Well, with that being said, we'll uh, yeah, we'll sign off here and we'll catch you next week. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of the Open Door Cutting Room Floor Podcast. But don't let the conversation end here. Find a group where you can deepen your roots at connect.opendoor.tv. And don't forget to submit your questions to podcast.opendoor.tv. Have a great week, and we'll see you Sunday.